It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So this is obviously the All Ireland Club final preview show, Les, but we're going to start with uh, our friend Joe Brawley. Um, who's agreed to talk to air um, and this is a quote from him he says will you know there you are then I'm a hypocrite <laughs> <laughs> so it's fairly obvious he is kind of being a hypocrite here Conan Conan Connor here obviously with me yeah oh, he definitely is like, it's just whether or not you care about it obviously he's got a lot of principles and he's been very 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 strong on this very strong on principles and the, what, the GEA's principles and the GA and we, ethos yeah. yeah and he's tweeted and he's deleted the tweet since and he said, "I would never. W- that's why I would never work for Sky or Air." Yeah, which then that tweet ended with something like, "You know, we're the GA. What else do we have? Like, you know, if you sell your your principles, basically." But um, yeah, Joe doesn't seem to care, and like, he never seems to care about being a hypocrite either. Like, you know, you always told the story where he just said, "You're taking this thing too seriously, Parky." That's his out. <laughs> yeah. That's his out. So it is out this time. He's just like, "Yeah, I'm a hypocrite. Let's move on. I'll tell yeah. you a story." Yeah, well, opinions are one thing. Like Joel's opinions change like the wind, you know. But like principles are another thing. And this has been this has been Broly's cause. So Celeb for the last few years. This yeah. has been like of all this has commanded more column inches, or you know, he's spoken about this more than anything. And like, I know it's uh, I don't want to be too critical either, but it's it's a fair climb down, you know. For it's a massive climb down, massive. and it, like for me, it's a it's it's more revenge on RTE. It's to go up yours. I'm wanted. Somebody wants me. And he talked about being hurt by RTE, and I completely understand that he he absolutely would be hurt. He was kind of dropped unceremoniously, if we're being honest, after twenty years. And he had some brilliant moments with RTE. And when I was reading that, him saying that he was hurt and he was being very honest about that because he could have gone, ah, look, you know, I'm Joe Brawley. It's water off a duck's back. But mm. he was honest about it because I remember when I left off the ball and I chose to leave off the ball. I came to work here and, you know, decided I want to leave. I didn't like it anymore. 
and they were going on a trip to the Euros. So I gave my month's notice, not even thinking for a second that this would have compromised my month's notice in France at the mm. Euros. And then I got told I'm putting on gardening leave and I'm not getting that. And I'm just, I was out the door. I was told I could come in and collect my stuff from my desk. And I was like, what a wankery way to treat somebody after, you know, working, doing good work for them for three years, coming in at a time when uh, things were very difficult for them. Anyways, I don't want to go on about yeah. that situation, but I'm looking at Joe Brawley, 20 years of some brilliant moments and now he's just out the door. You know, not a thank you, not a night out with the staff, not a, you know, uh, as he said yesterday, I think they get a clock when they retire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see why he would have been hurt. Yeah, like he, he gave them a lot of service, you're right. And like, it was very good for him as well. Like the bottom line is, Joe Brawley's good. Like, you know, he's a bit of a prat and he lost his way a bit over the last few years. And you know, he is, his principles will change all the time. But you'd still rather watch Joe Brawley than a lot of people. Like, you know, he still had that sort of pull. And yeah, it's it's weird that they, like you know, fair enough. They wanted to make a statement, or you know, it was difficult, and they wanted to sort of maybe clamp down on him a little bit. Yeah, they just got rid of him. They didn't yeah. demote him, or yeah. just gone. I think his ego had gotten too big, in that he thought it was more about him, and he tried to be more entertaining. And like, I mean, there is we all, we talk about this all the time. There's a balance between analysis and being entertaining I think he can mix both of them together easily but to be honest he's talked about what Ayer said to them and they've guaranteed him free speech they said we guarantee you free speech you do what you do there'll be no editorial intrusion you'll be totally independent you'll be able to speak your mind and I was just thinking God help whoever's on with him <laughs> <laughs> like what are they going to do like pray for anyone that's on with him go do what you want Joe yeah, yeah. like the first game is Kerry Dublin now, no one's going to watch it on air because it's on RT at the same yeah. time. And obviously, RT is free to air. But like, I mean, we we should open up a book on whether Joe goes on a big rant about Dublin's charity work at halftime. Yeah. That, yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's dangerous to say to Joe, there's free reign because like he just yeah. bullshits. Like, I mean, I think, Joe, your reins need to be pulled in on a, mil- a yeah. little bit. And maybe that's the presenter's job. It's going to be tough for the presenter and it's going to be worse for the person sitting beside him. He's not yeah. going to get a, a word in edgeways. You're going to have a lot of people tweeting Joe Raleigh the viewing figures between Air and RT after the first day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was Joe Raleigh's favourite. Yeah. Oh, he loved doing that with Sky, didn't <laughs> yeah. it? And went, like, yeah. I mean, geez, can we get our hands on them? Because yeah. I would love that. That yeah. would be funny, wouldn't it? That'd be who good. watched on Air? Who watched it? But it'd be better coming from you, Willie, to be honest. <laughs> but it, it, it'll be good for him for social media so he might he might latch on the social media numbers now and he'll start talking about that well that's the thing he talked about his children and uh, we'll move off this now because I know you probably want to talk about the matches he said he was talking about his children he says I see my own kids viewing habits they don't even watch TV now everything is streamed on tablets or whatever and he talked about the average age of a BBC viewer being 61 and that's all right we understand that everything's moving online with the younger people YouTube but that's trying to soften his blow from leaving RTE or an exclusive game on RTE those rules don't apply the whole country is watching that yeah. and there's no getting away from that unless the next t- unless the next deal starts spreading it around you know what I mean which I think the GA have to move with the times and stop giving so much exclusivity to RTE but the reality is all those rules and the children I bet his children who watch who watch YouTube and tablets and all they still watch a match on RTE because yeah. there's nowhere else to watch yeah. it and yeah you're going to watch this Dublin Kerry match on RTE you're, like Joe Brawley's a good name but you're not going to go out of your way to go get him like if he's on great but like, you're going to still watch RTE I, I'm Kerry. terrible for that I'm still but like I go to a match and if it's not on RTE I think it's not on the television yeah. Yeah. And it could be, like yeah. even if it was a rugby match maybe and uh, it's actually on Sky and I've just wrote it off because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's not terrible tweet about it. <laughs> yeah yeah it's not even on telly and it's on, it's on but like uh, the way with a lot of the pay-per-view channels now geez we're going off the subject it's gone so bad now that 
if it's not on RT or BBC, it might not have be on Sky. It might not be on BT, and it's on First Bloody Row or whatever. What's the other one? The the, the other one that's uh, ten or a month for Premier the, Premier, Premier Sports. Sports. Yeah. Sure, where are you meant to know where a match is on yeah. now? It's spread out everywhere. But anyways, First um, Row is a dodgy uh, streaming site. First Row is right. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So I was in Croke Park on Tuesday. Um, it was the media day for the All Ireland Club Finals, and I spoke with Liam Silk. So have a listen to that. Welcome to the GR, Liam. How is the excitement building in Corrafin? This is a three in a row has never been done, potential three in a row has never been done. Yeah, look, it's best off trying not to think about it, I suppose. People in the media are going to be mentioning a lot, but um, we're just looking ahead to 60 minutes, really. It's, it's just uh, we need to focus on this one game and try not to think too far ahead or think too much outside of the, the picture. Yeah, no, I understand that that's definitely the way as a team you will you will be thinking of it. But when you're driving in the car and you're going home to train, and would your, is it difficult not for your mind not to wonder and think, Jesus, no club has ever done what we could do? Uh, look, no, I, I've definitely been trying not to think like that. Yeah. Because but is it hard to push that away or does it, can it sink in a little bit? Look, it, if it happens, that's when I suppose you'll think about it and let it sink in. But for the moment... Two in a row has been done before by two teams, so we're not standing out as anything just yet. So I think we need to just focus on the one game, and that then, if we do it, that's when we can start thinking about it properly. Yeah, no, true. How do you motivate yourselves to come back year after year? So we know the domination in Galway, even though it's been getting harder to win them. Mm. Um, don't know are the other teams catching up with you, or is it difficult to stay motivated every year? Uh, well, not really. I think if you look back to the last two county titles that we won, the yeah. boat went to replays. Replays, yeah. So we're definitely still motivated. You can just see how much players are dying on the pitch, really, for the team. So I don't think it's hard to stay motivated because once you get that taste for success, you just want it more and more, I suppose. And success just breeds success. And you can really see that that has happened. And I think all the players realise that it's not going to last forever. So we're really just making the most of it while we can. In, um, before the Nemo game in the semi-final, I'm sure you knew after hammering them in the final that these are going to come hard at us. Every team is coming hard at you yeah. now because you're, you know, you're the top club in the country. So I suppose your team meetings are, lads, we have, to meet the, we have to match them for that. Yeah, look, I think we had been in a very similar situation when we played Dr. Crokes in the All-Ireland final because they had given us a hammer yeah. in a year or two before that. So we knew exactly how Nemo were going to be feeling and I think in that game, especially, we got that early goal. It would really have set them back. So, um, yeah, look, every team is going to be gunning for us. Everyone wants to take us down. And we just have to be, be ready for that and be able to give it back as good as we get. Yeah, because we, we know the class that you have. That's this one we've eulogised about your team because it was brilliant. But it looked like Nemo against Nemo. Like, you were the team out for revenge and not them. Like, you must be very proud of, of, of the, the, the likes of that. Yeah, look, around the middle of the field, players were just dying for breaks and diving in. And, like, I was back in the full back line just in awe, I suppose, at all of it because I just, just the sheer... Uh, will to win every ball out there yeah. is amazing really yeah it is it's just, incredible I suppose as, as far as we've come to still have that hunger and have that drive yeah no that it was incredible to watch it it was like Jesus I thought Nemo or the team going mm. to be out for revenge here so you talked about being back in corner back you don't spend too long back there uh, I'd rather poor, not be there <laughs> poor Luke Connolly was like his head was wrecked trying to follow you because like you were taken off you were given the man marking job on him but like is part of man marking now throwing the full forward off his game by, by heading on up the field Look, as any forward will say, I'm sure you'll agree, the last thing you want to do be, is to be running back after yeah. the player. But I think 
uh, with Kerfin, it helps me a lot more, I suppose, that uh, we're such a strong team that we're able to dominate possession and obviously that makes it a lot easier. Whereas if they had all the ball and they were kicking it all in, yeah. it'd be completely different. I'd be the one running around. It's, it's funny because it's always the case with halfbacks when you're a midfielder winning a midfield battle and you've such a strong midfield, you're half, you can take off when you want. Yeah. And now half forwards work really hard. So maybe you're being clever as saying, and I'll go back mm. in the corner where they don't work. Yeah. <laughs> they don't work as hard. I don't know. It's just about the players you have around you, I suppose. Yeah. Like, you can't, it's not like it would easily translate to the inter-county game where there's going to be strong players everywhere. It wouldn't be as easy to be getting forward like that from a cornerback position. So, yeah, it's just really about, um, I suppose, in, in Kieran Fitzgerald as well, we have an anchor at the back there who's always going to hold the, hold, the, hold the fort. And he took off a few it, times against Nemo too, well, didn't he? Yeah, he must be trying to change <laughs> up his game plan as well. Um, but yeah... Look, it's all about the players around you, I think, that makes it that bit easier. Yeah. So, like, I mean, some of the goals, you scored 5-5 five, five in the championship, and some of your finishes are forwards finishes. Did you play in the forwards at any time, or do you work on your finishing? Because, like, I mean, they're not goals that you would associate. Some are smashed high, some are placed low. Like, they're, they're almost like goals that a forward would score. I'm not sure. And you that. take penalties. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I would have previously, in, like, let's say, seasons gone by, I would have gotten goal chances, and I wouldn't have taken them. So it has been something I've worked on. Really? Because I, I used to get in those positions a lot, so definitely has been something I worked on, but I still wouldn't have expected it to get that sort of return. And I'm sure it won't ever happen to get that many again. It's just been a, a good year so far. I've been lucky to get into positions where it's happened. Right, so when you, when you work on scoring goals, is that in training with the goalkeeper and staying back afterwards, or just...? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Also, like I'm up in UCD a lot of the time where... There wouldn't be that many players around, so I could just go out a few balls by myself and practice it. But, yeah, I suppose you just need to... definitely takes practice, but I'm not sure I've done as much to reap the reward that I've gotten so far. I think it's just been a lucky year so far. Right, OK. So is there any trick to ghosting in behind like you do, not being picked up? Do you go into midfield, get lost amongst the group of players and just kind of sneak on up? Uh, yeah, definitely. If you're coming from a cornerback position, it makes it easier, I suppose. Um, like if there's, if you're just sneaking out there, like the wing forwards will be tracking their players. The corner forward might have gone out just around the middle, and they're not really thinking about you as a player. But uh, they switch off, or maybe a half forward might not switch yeah, off. Yeah, switch off for a second and just get a get a lucky run off a player, and you're not tracked. But I suppose if I after having scored two goals in the Connacht Championship then I'm going to be tracked in the future yeah. so it makes it harder to keep it going He did his best Luke Connolly to track you every time even though like I don't from Nemo's point of view I don't know why they would want him tracking you all the time do you know like I mean yeah, I think they, they, were, they were trying to switch a bit switch to get it. the wing forward or someone further out to track me but in the middle of a game where there's players running over it's, not, it's not always that easy Yeah no it's not um, What was the, the man marking job on, on Luke Connolly do you enjoy the actual marking part as well? Because when you first came to my attention, you man-marked Dear McConnelly, did brilliantly on him in, in Tullamore. Like, do you like the man-marking part of it, or do you, do you dislike <laughs> cornerback? I do dislike cornerback, but look, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm glad you're honest. Yeah. Uh, look, it's just about going out and doing the best for the team. And there is a certain satisfaction if you're marking a big player like that and you're helping the team and keeping his scores down yeah. you definitely get a satisfaction out of it because it's not like you're not able you're well able to get in and get the fit like prop, you know, traditional cornerback play mm. for example 
Yeah, look, I've always been a back coming up through the years. I think there was one year with Charlotte, so I was playing centre forward, which that didn't last too long. That's so. the goal thing there. Now. <laughs> so where would you like? Where do you like playing then? Where Where's your uh, wing back would be? Wing back. Yeah, look, that's an ideal position for getting forward these days. Right. I think if you ask a lot of wing forwards in this modern age, they do more tra- tracking back, and the wing back does more bombing forward. So it's almost role reversal nearly. So. Yeah, I think wing back is the ideal position for getting forward. Right, OK. I just saw Porek Joyce's first team for Galway, not to take it off the club, but he picked Johnny Heaney corner back, he picked Brannigan one wing back and McDade the other wing back. So he likes attacking backs, which is yeah, good news. pretty obvious what uh, <laughs> style of football he's going for there. Uh, but yeah, look, I think what he's trying to do is to have good footballers in every position and to be able to attack from everywhere. So that's uh, it's a very good style of play to want to be going into. And yeah but you just can't neglect the defensive side of things too much either. You still need to have good defenders there. Obviously not. Come here, you, you went travelling in 2018. Do you think you're benefiting from that now? Do you think that's important for players to do just to take a break, especially the way year-year rolls on and on with being, from, being with a successful club? Yeah, like a lot of the Curfin players would have gone to America or whatever for a few weeks in the summer, so it definitely helps to get that break. Like When you think about it, the club player their time for a break is in the summer, really, because all the Intercounty Championship yeah. is going on. So, yeah, it definitely helps to just take take a few weeks away and go experience something different. And then you come back, you haven't really missed anything because the club takes a break for the summer. Yeah, look, it's ideal, really, that they can have the best of both worlds like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's worked out very well for us having a few players go abroad to America. They get still get lots of football into them and still come back hungry to get their curfew jersey back. Exactly. Come here, I wanted to ask you, because we know you're, you're studying medicine in, in UCD and there's a lot of talk about this ERSI report and 31 hours apparently is the average inter-county players spend preparing and training and travelling and everything like that. Like, how can you, how do you balance the study that's involved in studying medicine with all that? Because I'm sure when you travel back to Corrafin or back for Galway, like you're losing maybe from four o'clock in the day until 12 or one that night. Yeah, I think it's key to get that balance. There wouldn't be, I suppose there isn't that many players doing that much travelling as me. And I think it's very important that I, like, I wouldn't go back midweek every week for training because obviously like half the day would be gone. And yeah. then on the Fridays, half the day is gone again as well. And then Sunday's travelling back up. So I think it's up to each player for their own individual situation to try and manage it the best they can. But it's also, you need the managers to buy in to see the player welfare point of view and what's best for them as well so that they can, so they're not putting too much pressure on you. And thankfully, I've had understanding managers for the past two and a half years while I've been in Dublin. They've been very eager to make sure that I balance everything properly and get the best out of both the study and the football side of things. OK, because like the Mayo fellas in Dublin are saying they go on like Skype calls and check into team meetings, you know, during the championship yeah, when you have to... A lot of them train up in Dublin as well. Train in Dublin yeah. as well. Because like, it would be out of the question for you to travel home during the week with the workload you would have studying, I'd imagine. Yeah, look, it, it all depends on the time of year as well. Like if I have exams coming up, obviously I need to dedicate a lot more time to studying then. And thankfully, at the moment, I'm only back a week or two so I'm able to prioritise the football at the moment um, but yeah again it's each individual player's own situation and obviously if there's more players up in Dublin you could get together during the week to make things that bit easier and I think Mayo have done that very well and I think Donegal have done it in the past as well Yeah exactly Come here just finally um, what is it about all Ireland finals that seems to bring out the best in you here in Crow Park? Uh, well, is I it think, the pitch? I think that definitely helps I think <laughs> After the first one, all the players, they just feel confident when they come out here. But uh, 
it's been a combination of us performing very well and the teams we've been playing, they definitely wouldn't have been happy with their performance. Yeah, but it can't be a coincidence that it's happened three good teams. Well, we'll have to see what Kilku brings to the table. I'm sure they won't let it happen. So, um, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just uh, performing our best on the day and being ready for the moment. Yeah, exactly. Did you did you get to watch Kilku after the Nemo game, or were you, you were yeah, in transit? We, we were. We saw the second half. We were watching it while we were eating food. Look, they're a very impressive team. I'm sure you'll agree. They've seem to have gotten better as they've gone on in the championship, become more of a team, and become more convinced in their ethos and how they're playing. So they're just very fast, fit, skillful players and they're just set up to take us down, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Just to finish up, Kilku obviously are a tiny little village. There's a lot of them are sheep farmers, we, which we've heard from them. I remember Slocknail before they played G's, this little village versus Corrafin. You're a little village as well, but that kind of narrative doesn't follow Corrafin at all. Uh, we've big enough parish. There would be, right. it's kind of Belclair and Corrafin, they're two parishes brought together. So I'm not sure we can play off that saying... Actually, Kerfin, the village itself is very small, but the players are coming from all around, so okay. I don't think we can make the same claim. <laughs> right, okay. Well, you've got your three in a row as motivation. They have the little village community spirit. Yeah, if you want to put it like that. <laughs> Listen, Liam, thanks very much. Great stuff from Liam there. One thing I did love him saying, and I really appreciate this because I would have said the same thing back in the day in the early noughties, I do dislike cornerback. <laughs> Um, interesting. at least he didn't say well look I'll play anywhere for the team once, once I'm betting, getting picked and have a jersey on my back that's the main thing no he doesn't like it even though he looks like he, he's made it <laughs> he's made it look enjoyable he's a kindred spirit of mine I've been saying that to my club mate and my management for years to, to little effect but, uh, but yeah he, he seems to you can, you can be good at a position without having to admit that you like it do you know what I mean and yeah. Uh, yeah. Liam Silk is far from the only person who would say that that they don't like cornerback as me and you can testify with it it's too yeah. good of a footballer to like it like that's that position's for us Owen Donahue from Mayo who said he mm. likes ruining people's happiness oh yeah 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 that's, yeah. A, great, that's, a, great, that that's a great line that was a great yeah. line yeah. Was he's well able to get up forward and kick points as well oh, no, know, but, he, but he does but like he that does, element he, of it he looks like a fish out of water yeah. Liam Silk <laughs> looks like he's made to be yeah. running off that field Donahue looks like a, certain cornerbacks just look like an attacking yeah. cornerback Liam Silk looks like a graceful kind of yeah a wing back playing cornerback yeah. and that's that's probably it. But like, I mean, I know we've analysed this, lads, and I'm so interested in this whole uh, area of attacking cornerbacks because, you know, the way he's, he finds himself in positions where he's just not being marked. And then he runs to midfield and might get lost in the crowd and the corner forward switches off and suddenly he's free. Another situation that could happen is he goes out in there and the corner forward tries to pawn him off to another player and in between the switch, Liam Silk is left free. So, like, I mean, it's just so difficult. We know Dublin just tell their corner forwards, follow him. We know we kind of go, surely there's an other way of doing this. And we say, pawn him off. And, you know, we know maybe the dangers now of pawning him. You know what I mean? Pawning mm. him off. And is it that easy? Liam said, it's not always easy where players are running everywhere around the middle and you're trying to pawn someone off. That's not easy. And especially against Cara Finn, because I'm telling you, every man has to worry about his man at Cara Finn. Do you know, you can't, yeah. can you pawn off somebody to pick up Silk and leave... I don't know, I know Gary Sice or yeah. somebody like that free that's the beauty like they have six forwards who you can't and Kieran Malloy and you, you can't just leave any of them like most club teams will have two scorers so you panic when they have the ball but when the others have it you don't need to yeah. be putting on as high a press yeah. but you can't do that with the six core of him forwards like you know and but here's it's, not, yeah, it's not even their forwards like I mean it's, Malloy, it's usually a wing forward that will pick up your man but they're worried about Malloy mm. do you know what I mean or, yeah. or Dylan Wall or whoever whoever's yeah. on the other wing you know what I mean it's not easy to do that 
Yeah, but he's doing, like Liam Silk is doing that as well while being handed one of the toughest man marking gigs. You know, he, he who did he, he got Luke Connolly against Nemo, I think. He gets it for Galway as well. He gets really tough man marking gigs that you would expect him to be, you know, occupy his, his whole time or for the whole game, whatever, and yet he still manages to ghost into these positions. So what do you do? Do you do you like do a kind of a mayo on uh, Jack McCaffrey last year and admit that like this guy is gonna be so much of a threat going forward that we have to be conscious of whoever's marking him has to just be tracking him full time rather than take the risk that you put a corner forward there who will let him wander off into other half of the well, pitching that, that scores. The, but this is the thing, this is the dynamic. Liam Silk decides who he marks. A forward doesn't decide who he marks. So Liam Silk can say at the weekend, right? So so Kilku are not going to want him marking Laverty because Laverty's the first one out and he throws it around. Liam Silk marks Laverty, what did it do? Stick another forward on him. Now Liam Silk's marking two men and two of their forwards are messed up. See, backs dictate yeah. who marks. Yeah. So Did Silk, Dark Harvard try to remember Dark yeah, Harvard tried to mark Tommy Wells? You're ending up with a poxy situation like that. So I would imagine Silk is going to go straight on to Conor Laverty and Conor Laverty's going to have a horrible afternoon following him. Yeah, but like Discuss. You, you, said, you, you said it there about Luke Connolly. Like he, he shouldn't be tracking... Liam Silk, even if Liam Silk's mark, marking him, so he should be said. You do not come back beyond the forty-five because we need you scoring. Yeah, but then and so what tough. do they do then? Yeah, see who picks him. Who picks up Liam Silk when he comes forward? Then because neither the two midfielders can. Because Steed and and Dahi Burke, like unless Dahi Burke's hanging back and there's a midfielder, but you can't guarantee that. Yeah, so you can't guarantee one person against Currafin to always do it. But he's too good to say, oh, somebody pick him up. Do you yeah. know, oh, you know, with somebody yeah. in the half back down or somebody so in midfield know, pick no, him up as he goes. I'm not up. saying I'm right in any of this. I'm just saying this is a very difficult yeah, kind oh, of yeah. dynamic to get right. And I'd imagine teams around the country are tearing their hairs out mm. and having team meetings and going, what do we do in these situations? Like, that's definitely right. But Connor's saying he's, he's too good to, to not pick up or not worry about. But like, Connor Laverty, I think, is too important for the way Kilcoo played. Agreed. So he has to stay there. And then whether it's two players don't come back or three, there's 11 or 12 men outfielders who are defending them. Like, it should be so enough. You'll write, so you'll have Ryan Johnson say, right, you, okay, you pick him up. Now Kieran Malai's free. <laughs> so I'm sure Kieran Malai's going to make a nuisance of himself the minute that happens. Do you know? And Currafin moved the ball so fast up the field, through the foot. There's not that many spare men. It's not like, it's easy against a defensive team who are dropping off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dropping off and then there's spare men all over the field. Currafin generally won't do that. They'll move the ball up really fast. <coughs> They'll try and get the one-on-ones. I'm just saying, against a team like Currafin, you know, it's not that, I don't think it's that, e- it's not as easy as just say, follow him yeah. or say, don't follow him. Do you know, it, mm. I'm sure it's very difficult. I was about to say, if it's Carafin, it probably, I think you mentioned one of the midfielders. And then I have a vision in my head of Dahi Burke being, you know, having two or three goal chances in the All-Ireland Club final last year. Because, I think he got two points, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like really close, like a lot closer to goal than he was usually. Probably because, you know, somebody said, oh, well, Dahi Burke will hold back. So then they let him free and then he goes and he nearly scores two goals. When, right, you but know. when your philosophy is attack right? Your philosophy of your team is attack. Dahi Burke will go, I'm free. I see what's happening here. I'm going yeah. to go forward. If, you're, if that's your philosophy, yeah, if, your philosophy that. if your philosophy is to defend, Dahi Burke will go, Jesus, I better not go forward now. I'm the last man back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it depends on what your philosophy... That's why I think it's so hard against Cora Finn because every man is going to have to be worried about someone. Yeah. So what, what, what would you do? Because I, I would definitely be saying to Conor Laverty, don't don't you bloody leave the full forward yeah line? I would be the same I would be the yeah. same but you have to be very quick on, on the draw there when if whoever's told to pick up Laverty if his man starts causing problems now you're now you're in problem you know what I mean you, yeah. Yeah. you nearly have to have another fella doing it the next time before their men start figuring out 
this is a tactic I'm free or the other sideline starts saying make a nuisance of yourself you're free do you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. it's not just it's it's not it's not an easy thing no, it's definitely, you know? not, it's definitely no. not I had a, I had Kieran Fitzgerald and Conor Lafferty but now you've kind of convinced me that it's going to be Liam Sills. well I think what forward would would Corrafin like to mess whose game would they like to mess up Jerome Johnson's not playing brilliantly on that full forward line it's Laverty Laverty makes because of his importance yeah. to their overall yeah. game plan yes yeah I would say so yeah. but then I wouldn't rule out Jerome Johnson I mean like I know he hasn't been great but this is a like county standard footballer who could potentially turn it on the day especially yeah. in Crow Park as well no so. no true I think Kieran Fitzgerald funnily enough will mark him because um, it was Silk on Connolly the last time and Fitzgerald picked up the corner forward the young fella the under 21 his name escapes me uh, right now but he's still a dangerous he was a dangerous forward and Fitzgerald picked him up so it's funny that they'll still give him a man marking job other interesting matchups Ryan Johnson and Kieran Malloy yes that's a beautiful matchup isn't it yeah. I do like that matchup and I think that matchup will probably happen the Daryl Brannigan conundrum for Curra Finn that's a big conundrum for them because this is a dangerous 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 player and Corrafin picks six forwards. Like Sice, you would say, is arguably their traditional worker, but Sice is not at an age profile where he wants or probably have the pace to follow Daryl Brannigan. So what do you do? Put Lundy on yeah. him? Lundy will work and Lundy drops back maybe a bit, sometimes too much. So maybe Lundy, he would have the speed for him. But this is where I was actually thinking about Liam Silk again. I was wondering, would Kieran Fitzgerald, would he be able to pick up Laverty? That frees up Silk. Don't, not necessarily to go to wing forward and Mark Brannigan, maybe, but then frees up maybe Kieran Malloy to push in there and just leave Gary Sice in a freer role. Right. You're dropping a wing forward or dropping a forward then, are you? <laughs> yeah, well, you're playing them more in a... <laughs> If <laughs> you can see my hand gestures now, just you know, just all well, in the middle. We're on YouTube. Yeah, I'm going to YouTube and just see that I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> you know, just that middle eight. It's like, like Rafa Benitez, you know, <laughs> because it's a more defensive role playing wing forward against Kilku yeah. than it would be playing around the middle. Yeah, I think we talked about this before. Was it? Oh, it was maybe against Nemo with Tomas O'Shea or something like that? We wondered who 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 they would do mark him, and I think they just Carafin just played as they were. Well, I was just about to say that because like this sounds really traditional, but I would say that the Carfin management is like don't you worry about them let them worry about you and yeah. you see the way the Carfin play they move the ball so quickly that like Kilku are really kind of dependent on getting turnovers and then breaking the pace but Carfin don't allow you to do that because they had to move the ball so quickly by the foot that they're rarely that out of shape that a team like Kilku that wants to break a pace can do it because Carfin have their men in positions to be able to break it up anyway yeah. so I think that like that's what I, having done it already before against teams with half back lines that break a pace I think that's what um, that's what the manager O'Brien will be telling Carfin say Gary Sice Jason Leonard um, whoever will be farer on the forward will farer playing centre forward to let the half back line worry about you as opposed to you worrying about them going down the pitch yeah no I think they will as well I, I have a feeling that I, I don't think they'd put silk on him I don't think they'd move their team around that much but I think that maybe it, it is it Gary Sice might be the one just track him when he goes and that's yeah. it or stay goal side of him when they're attacking yeah. that's probably the yeah, best way kind of, I, like, against, uh, against Nemo I saw Gary Sice and he was having a great battle with his was, uh, I yeah. can't remember his name his individual marker but he drifted in the odd time just to keep him thinking do you know what I mean drifted into full forward it was only a little it was only a little he bit does that if, if he's yeah. going to take a break he goes listen I'm not fit to track Darrell Brannigan down the pitch because I've busted my balls for 10 minutes you just go out there to the you know to the wing forward line if you, ha- if you have to trap him back you, you have to then I'll be back in 10 minutes to do it you know I think and I think they're kind of this the, the car fin forwards are so in sync that they can they can do that whereas it, it would be dangerous with any other team yeah no they absolutely do and the one thing the, where car fin are so, da- so dangerous and where Kilku need to be need to be careful is this press and they're all doing the press now Corafin's ability to win ball around the middle is is without uh, without 
comparison in the club game. They have Steed, who's a monster of a man. They've uh, Dahi Burke and their ability to win breaks and dive on breaks. And like I was talking to Liam Silk about Nemo Rangers, you would think that they were the underdog. They were just winning that midfield battle. So with this big press up and you're pushing up all over the field, Cora Finn will go to these two lads. And if they don't mm. win it, they'll, they'll dictate where the break goes. And now you're caught with six of your forwards pressing and Corafin move quickly with a foot pass and they've got one-on-ones. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult to drop the players. And another thing, it's difficult to drop your 13 men back, which Kilku will do and after the press. Corafin will move it so fast that these lads could be chasing shadows up and down the field. Mm. Get back. Not in time. Let's get back forward. Let's get back. We're not in time. Here's a score. Right. Back in setting. It's not easy against Corafin. It really isn't. When, they, when they're on song and they're moving that ball through the foot, Dropping those men back, you know, as the as the play is progressing, that just doesn't work. Mm. And then and then the crew park factor, obviously. So like the press last year's all Ireland final, like Bernard Power had just an exhibition of kicking and it was long kicking yeah. and they were just dragging the other team in, like into different positions they didn't want to be in. And this is why Burke got free so often as well, was launching mm. from the like that platform of a good long kick out. Yeah. And a big disappointment about this offensive mark without moving it on and why they extended it to the forty five is that no team outside of Rory Gallagher teams and maybe Carlo will change outside of Poachers teams. They're the ones wearing the boot cut jeans. Most teams are dropping 13 back only when the ball reaches there. They're, they're mm. coming back with the ball. So what way to beat that is to move the ball fast through the foot. So that foot passing was coming back into the game naturally. If you want it one-on-one, you have to move it through the foot. You know, there's no yeah. better team getting one-on-ones because Corafin move it down through the foot. And there is that danger that Kilku will be wanting to get players back but they won't be able to slow unless the answer is to foul Corafin and just get back you know yeah, what I mean try and get back done, it you know? probably yeah. is easier said than done as well it's not, it's not easy for Kilku um, definitely not I suppose we'll have to get predictions on this lads Jeez, I cannot see anything I think Kilku will will take it to Corafin they won't they'll, they'll drive into them Corafin won't look like they're the under you know the, the ones up for it like Nemo and Dr. Croaks were massively disappointing. It looked like they didn't show up on the day. Kilku will show up on the day. They'll get in their faces and they'll, they'll make a game out of it. I just can't see how they can stay with Corafin. They've just, Corafin have too many ways to hurt you. What was it you said to Liam Silk there? They have their little village community spirit there as well. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get drawn on that one, but um, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it will be close, like, closer than a lot of Corafin matches that we've sort of been disappointed by. I think it'll be like a slack nail final. I think it, w- it won't be a hammering like Nemo and Nemo and uh, Dr. Croaks where it's a joke of a final but I think we'll know pretty much after 20 minutes who's going to, who's going to win it. You caught from hammered stock nails, well did they not? They won by 10 points because I was just about to say I, that's what I think it would be end. like myself. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. Um, I mean we say that's not a hammering but it's still 10 points. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. remember just sitting but, there knowing who had won the whole game. Yeah, maybe it was. I'm trying to think of that final. What, what, yeah, maybe it was. But it wasn't at the uh, annihilation early on that the other two were, was it? It wasn't over by half time. If no. I can remember correctly it's back in 2015 but yeah. I don't know. They've, they won three finals by 37 points uh, against <laughs> Crokes, Nemo and Slack Neal. And you know before the game last year we would have said the Crokes might be you know they'd They'd beaten them in recent enough memory, I think, you know, that they, they might be well fixed, you know, to, to, to take on Corfin. I know Croke's got a man got sent off in the first half, so that kind of affected it. But you would have said the same about the teams that were playing Corfin in these finals beforehand, that like, oh, I can really see them putting them up to them. And Corfin are just too good. Like, I, I, I really hope I'm wrong for the sake of the, the contest or the game, but I think it's, it could be, 
you know, 10 points or around really? that largely again. Yeah. Yeah. Jerome Johnson was interviewed. He says, the All Ireland final, uh, you'd have watched them and some of the moves they've put together. It's as good as you would have seen in any level of Gaelic football. I think we talked about this last year with ne- when Nemo were playing them and they the other team admiring her event. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. who doesn't? Who, who bloody doesn't? They're fantastic and if they win this, it's three in a row, they're the greatest club team that's played and I, I remember those Cross McGlen teams both the early, no- the 90s, the, the noughties and the one then that came back kind of, um, kind of surprisingly kind of reinvented themselves with, uh, uh, with Jamie Clark, uh, you know, kind of on the pulling the strings or and yeah. Oshin just finishing off. 2010 direction. 10, yeah. I think it was 11, 12 or yeah, 12, yeah. 13, they won two in a row. And they won three Ulsters in a row, I think, um, were beaten in, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure who beat them anyways for the three in a row. But that cross, none of those Cross McGlen teams, I think, are as good as the current, have as good a forward line, as balanced a team, has many ways to hurt you, as good a midfield. I don't know. Yeah, I just keep thinking like every time I, th- I get excited about Kilku putting it up to them, like that that clip of Lundy's goal just in the semi final, mm. it just hammers home how much better <laughs> after like co- twenty Cora seconds. Yeah, <laughs> and the, even like even the first pass from Sice, the depth of it to ignore the first man and go straight into Farher, I think it was. Yeah, his invention, the turn, the execution of it, the finish, like. Ah, they're, they're just too good. I if think. you wanted to be overcritical, you'd say the two full, the two on the full forward line didn't communicate and ran the same side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Lundy went, "Shit, we're on the yeah. same side. <laughs> I'm going to double back." Yeah. You know, if you wanted to be overly critical, you <laughs> before, would say, "Lads, a bit more communication in there." <laughs> yeah. But before Farrer even got that ball, I knew he was going to try that ball to Lundy. It was a difficult ball, it was a really ambitious yeah. ball, but that's what Carfin do, and it was executed no perfect. I actually thought Lundy took a few step, few extra steps round. Oh, there's the always one. Do you but, think? Yeah, do, do you, do you think just to, just to, do you think that they both went the same side with that plan in mind. I think Possibly. you're over. I think oh, no, you're. I, I think I you're overanalyzing. I wouldn't put it past. Yeah. I, don't know. I was going to say they did create space by doing that, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I'd, I would be more on the line that they both ran the same side because they thought Sice was going to put it across there and they weren't communicating. But listen, who am I to say? <laughs> <laughs> who am I to say that they went both the same way for, for Lundy to use his speed and double back? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic if that's it. We must ask them on Monday. I'll yeah. try and get one of them on. <laughs> uh, right, so are we all going for Corrafin? They're two to seven in the bookies, lads. So, like, I mean, I can't, I can't see anything outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great stuff. Other two games. These are on the following week, lads, funnily enough, the two ju- the intermediate and junior football, because on Saturday the intermediate and junior hurling is on in Croke Park. I think it's at four and six. They're being streamed live. And then obviously the two senior games are on Sunday. Hmm. So there's no room for the fo- there's no room for the football. Yeah, you used to have the same week. weekend because obviously the senior ones were separate. So the hurling would be on a Saturday night or a Sunday and the football, the intermediate and junior, both games would be on either the Saturday night or the Sunday. So now obviously the senior games are on this weekend. So football has to be Football, football has, to be, has to be moved across. So Mahara Clune versus, geez, that's Connor, here you pronounce that for me. <laughs> Uterard. Uterard. Yeah. Uterard. So Uterard shocked Temple No, lads. This kind of flew under the radar um, last weekend. Uh, Temple No, by all all accounts, kind of kicked it away. They were two up at half time, and then they kicked four wides, including a really good goal opportunity. So they didn't get any of those scores when they were dominating. Then it's nine seven, and Uterard get a goal. Now it's one seven to nine. They're a point up, and then they push on to get two more points and win it by three. So like Temple No, completely, you know, you would from reading match reports, you would say threw it away. Tommy Finnerty to Uterard. 
um, manager has talked about how they looked after themselves over Christmas and New Year and he says they're easy to handle we've turned a corner with this team I've said before that the culture was a problem it's no problem now these guys are men now wow. I just went jeez I like the sounds of this Uterard <laughs> lads you know yeah. Conan how have you not talked to this guy already <laughs> <laughs> these messers who finally grown up now and they're starting to take their football seriously and they're a really good outfit like uh, Maher Clune are our favourites they, they beat Matt O'Grangers who are, are back up to like a, a solid senior team in Loud for a lot of years to beat them well in the semi-finals you'd imagine they must be a really really good team we know the players that they have um, you'd have to fancy Mahara Clune I think Uterard potentially might have you know beat the favourites and shocked it Pete. and might not do it might not do it again um, they, they needed a replay to win their Connacht or to win their Galway their, to win their Galway uh, county final so I would go for Mahara Clune here and a little bit of a pity I reckon I don't want to be disrespectful to uh, Uterard but Mahara Clune versus Temple No was the one we all thought was going <laughs> to be the final. But look, that's not the way it works. Yeah. And if, you, I knew, if I know a man from reading his quotes, I think I know Tommy Finnerty <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a good bit of stuff. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't put a past him to maybe cause an odd shock. I just, but Mahara Clune's story is so good, obviously, as well. No pitch to train on all year. And yeah. It's, you know, that's sort of a bit of adversity for them. And I think they see themselves as a senior club. So maybe they think like they're way above this level anyway. I'm going to go with Mahara Clune just to shade it. Yeah, same as my, my own experience, like Uterard, they beat the uh, the Neil one Mayo Intermediate and they beat them fairly comfortably. So And the Neil were pretty good. I have, right. to, say, I have to say that because they beat us on the way to win the championship. So. What did they beat you by? Oh, we were terrible that day. I think they beat us by like six points, six, six points. seven points. Could have been more than that if anyone from the Neil is listening. Right. But, uh, imagine what Uterard would have done. Well, exactly, to you. exactly, yeah. yeah. And so, then imagine what Mahara Clune would do that's to you. That's it. But uh, Mahara Clune, yeah, as you said, uh, Noel McIntyre was down there lately, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they have traditionally been a senior club Tommy Freeman still doing the stuff so wait wait and you hear my hard luck story so Port Leash Intermediates were hammered by uh, by Rose and Alice who were hammered by the Kilkenny champions who got hammered by Matt O'Grangers, who got hammered by Mara Clune. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine what Mara Clune would have done to Port Leach. <laughs> you almost in an all final. Just we're so close, has it? It's a lot to build on when you see the way results. <laughs> um, right, the last one. Are we all going for Mara Clune here, lads? It sounds like yes, we are. Yes, yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. Um, last one is Nagail from uh, Kerry. Very strong favourites, one to five against, uh, oh shit, Ratgarog. <laughs> Cushion, uh, Cushions Town. Yeah. So they're the Wexford uh, champions who are ever, after having a brilliant run. And you often see a lot of Kerry teams doing well. And this is a broader point here, lads, I wanted to mention to you. And Brian Carroll has mentioned it on the Hurling Show. I'm not sure a lot of the listeners here maybe don't, want, don't listen to the Hurling Show. I think there's more people listening to both. But the fact that Kerry only have 12 senior teams, right, means that the 13th team in Kerry plays intermediate whereas Tipperary for example in hurling have 24 senior teams so it's the 25th play intermediate Mm. so you always see in Kilkenny only have 12 senior teams so Kilkenny this year have senior uh, finalists which is understandable that's no complaints there they have intermediate and junior and you often see in the football as well that Kerry will have the intermediate uh, be in the intermediate final and the junior final and it's not fair it's not fair that a county's 13th team at intermediate would be playing another team's tw- maybe, you know, 17th if there's 16 teams. Yeah. That's, yeah. Not f- that's not fair. And that's one proposal from the Fixtures Review uh, Committee that every team is, every county standardised with 16 senior teams. Because you can't have a situation here where a team that is clearly a better team 
Yeah. Then they're, then you often see like the Kerry Intermediate Champions could hammer Cork. The Cork Champions are like, how is that happening? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why it's happening. Another yeah. hard luck story. We were beaten uh, in the All Ireland Junior Final by a Kerry team in 2010, I think, Castle really? Gregory after extra time. Yeah, so I'm all for this. Uh, yeah, all for this yeah but isn't it true though? Like, because you're not on the same level, yeah. it has a knock-on effect on many. On, unless, unless they equalise it up at intermediate by having extra intermediate teams to make junior mm. equal. But intermediate, if you've 12 senior teams, your intermediate teams are going to be really, really bloody strong. And look at Temple No. Now I know they were shocked. Uterard, but you would imagine Temple No were not an intermediate team mm. do you know yeah like we went down to Mullinavat obviously the Kilkenny football team who got to the final remember you almost got to that Leinster final <laughs> if you had a Mullinavat I said yeah. carry Kilkenny champions Mullinavat apologies to yeah them. and like but I remember talking to them saying Jesus like you beat the Dublin intermediate champions and they were saying the third tier like because like Dublin have 16 teams in senior B so it's their 33rd best team that's it that are going into intermediate yeah competing potentially against the 13th best team it's the exact same thing Dublin traditionally had 32 senior teams so their intermediate champions were going to now they've split at senior A yeah. senior B so their intermediate I would imagine have they ever won an intermediate all Ireland? I doubt it yeah. do you know it, do, it does look good on paper but that's that's Dublin's junior A champions playing an inter, you know what I mean yeah. playing somebody else's intermediate yeah. champions that's the reality of it so look uh, in conclusion the proposal are going to win no but Nagale are going to win and the, pro- the proposal to have it standardised across every county is just a no brainer right you can't have you can't have a situation like that are we all going for Nagale yes yeah. okay great stuff right lads we'll leave it there we'll come back and we'll preview the hurling with Brian Carroll Policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street, and I'm coming back out, and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out, and they're roaring at me, Hey, Coffrey, you free state bastard. And next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> So this is the first ever club senior final between the, t- the Kilkenny and the Tipperary champions, Brian. This, that's a very weird statistic. Yeah, it's mad. You would think that, you know, obviously the two teams that dominate inter-county hurling would have some way met at, at club level. But I suppose Kilkenny, it filters down. Their club champions have been knocking on the door year on year. Obviously Ballyhale being the, the main team there. But, you know, Tipperary club teams haven't fared as well at... at um, all-Ireland level and uh, you know Bursley obviously have a strong history themselves but yeah it's, it's an amazing statistic that it's coming around I think they've only met they've only met sorry four times across all grades so like right. that's crazy that's crazy why, have you any theory on why Tipperary have underperformed at club level like I mean it just doesn't make sense does it no and and probably the standout one is, is Turles Arsene yeah. like yeah. the team that they had there for, for best part of a decade um, and their best chance was not earned semi-final against Kilcormick Kalati back in 2012 um, you know and, and they had their eyes on the final they, they completely forgot about the semi-final and Kilcormick Kalati fully deserved their win that day so you know it's amazing the Turles for all the domination of Tipperary 
you know, haven't really kicked on and the stars of the team that they have. Yeah. Um, that was probably the other one. And I suppose the other one then probably was Tommy Vara, the great team that they had. They had a top class know, team, yeah. A top class team, you know, and they just never pushed on and won in Ireland either, you know. A bit of a travesty really considering that the, for both teams the domination that they had both in Tipperary and in Munster. You know? Yeah, there's definitely a weird one. I don't know what it is about them. I don't know what it is about their club. And then of course we have the Michael Fenley, Johnny Kelly uh, sideshow, which yeah. um, you know, they're both involved in the offline set up this, this, it's going to be an interesting one because we're going to talk about tactics and stuff but like I mean would Johnny Kelly target Michael Fenley or would this be kind of would this be kind of un I don't know disrespectful oh, to, your, to your manager because Michael Fenley loves to hold the middle and get a free roll I'm sure Johnny Kelly won't want to give him that role I think he'll be the first person he'll be he'll be targeting <laughs> being honest I think it's ruthless at this level and look yeah. rightly so like sure you know, they, they might be working together with Offaly, but that's ah, yeah. where it'll end. Yeah. But I, I, and I think Fenley will be a, a place where he'll, he'll go and try and expose, you know, so I don't think there'll be any holding back there. Yeah, we've Dan McCormick coming up on the show um, in a minute. It's just there was a, one, one quote from him because he was at the a media launch on, in Crow Park on Tuesday that I went along to, but he was talking about the chilled out atmosphere in the Boris Ali dressing room and like I mean it makes an awful lot of sense he said a lot of club hurlers especially the ones we have it wouldn't suit them if they were getting worked up and there was too many too much motivational speeches in the dressing room it seems to work for us that it's very calm relaxed and chilled out atmosphere and we know club level preparation is getting towards inter-county levels but at the same time you have to remember that club players don't want to be tortured for a full year you know what I mean I'd say that's probably what he's alluding to Oh definitely and often you find as well and I'm sure you found this as well the, the warm up certain is extensive at a club level thankfully uh, I'm not a great man for the warms myself but it just seems to be overdone at inter-county level and, and thankfully you go back to your club and it just doesn't seem to be as um, going on for as long really yeah. and, and you just kind, kind of concentrate on, on the, the game a little more you don't turn up to the game as early as well you know often it can get carried away at, at inter-county level it can be professional almost for the sake of it you know you could be meeting a couple of hours previous for your pre-match meal or at the dressing room an hour and a half for the game yeah, all this sort meetings of stuff whereas and it, meetings yeah and meetings and whereas at club level you know rule of thumb roughly an hour to 45 minutes beforehand you know depending on the, the importance of the game um, you know and it's it's that it does lend itself to a more laid back kind of atmosphere yeah, just and even naturally it does and he was talking about like them having some farmers on their team and if somebody arrives to train at 20 minutes late he's not getting balled out of or getting in trouble it's understood and I think yeah. any manager at club level anywhere in the country if you start treating club players like like that you won't last too long with club lads because club lads don't need that nonsense you know what I mean it, yeah, it, I think totally mani- club managers need to realise that it's just a different way of treating players. Oh, totally. Yeah, and look, I, I suppose there's a lot more empathy for people and their real life situation and what's going on outside of it, and that it is like obviously very important, but it is only a hobby and a sport, and it brings a lot of joy to people. And um, I suppose Bursley obviously know that firsthand. Um, but I think you know the really successful club managers see that and they manage that really well. And look, I've been very. Um, you know, backing of, of, of Henry Shefflin, his approach to, to Ballyhale as well. Like, I'm just going back in that story last year when, you know, the Kilkenny lads got that 
bit of a handy holiday. I think what was it, the wild geese tournament, yeah. or whatever it was called down in Australia. And Shefflin let them go and play. Yeah. Like, you know, and he'd no issue with it and told him, you know, do them good to get a break. And they came back and finally shot the lights out, got three or four goals against Wexford's Nevena. So, you know, it just shows how well he managed that situation instead of, you know, losing the plot and telling the boys to cut and go. So it just, you know, that to me, good managers at club level understand the players have a hell of a lot else going on. You know, and they I, do. I think that's, that's part of it. I do. And I'm sure Colin Fenley and TJ, I think it was those two, they would have come back going, Jesus, we have to repay him for letting us go there. You know, it just, you, exactly, it, I mean, yeah. it works. It will work on your advantage. So father on... Sorry to go, go on, on that for a second. I remember like when we had Ken Hogan over us as well. And, you know, he might be after having a long year with the with the county. And um, you might, you know, and, and said the better half would be looking to go on a holiday or whatever. And, you know, you might squeeze in a week. But Ken would always come to you and say, look, you'll be better for that. I'm delighted you're going. Do you know, inside he could have been saying, no, oh, yeah, sake, I can't yeah. believe you're going. But, you know, he portrayed it to you, this break will do you the world of good. You'll come back way fresher. And, you know, you invariably did. Like, Yeah. The best teams I was on were teams that if you lost, your heart would go out to the manager. You'd look at him across the way and say, after everything he's done for us and the, the other teams I've been on, it's a terrible thing to say that you'd look across at the manager and you go, well, I won't, wouldn't feel too sorry for that bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. It's the truth, isn't it? Like you, you yeah. really try harder. You go that extra mile for a manager who's a, a, a nice man. Obviously, that's just one quality. But that yeah. being, being a sound man is a huge part of man management because naturally you're good at that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, definitely. I have to agree with you that one. We've all been in those restrooms where you're going. I'm, I'm nearly glad this year is over. Yeah, you know, that lad will be gone. That lad will be gone. See, yeah, Father O'Neill's now, not Father Mannings, as I like to call him, who's a football, which is a football club in in Longford. They, they didn't get their two fellas didn't get off. So Billy no, Don and Mark O'Keefe again last night, and they didn't get through either. So uh, very disappointed for the two of them. Yeah, now. I hate when stuff like last, that happens. Their last gas now is the DRA if they go to it. So. It'd be interesting to see if they go that far. So it is disappointing, you know. It is. That happened to Piersig, interestingly enough, against Kula and they missed the Croke Park game and it went to a draw. Got them back for the replay and lost it, which was an interesting one. Yeah. So I thought that that was a good one. But it is. It's terrible for any club. It's terrible for any players. And from the match reports I saw, I was reading... They were, I don't know. They were, they were sendings off that weren't as clear cut. Now we know hurl, we know no sending off in hurling is clear cut because there's enough hurling people will say there's nothing wrong with that. But apparently these ones, they were on the softer side of it. Yeah, and it tends to be now just that they, they tend to back the referee's report regardless. You know, common sense seems to go out the window, um, and and that's disappointing. And I know they'll say it opens a minefield and all that sort of stuff, but. You know, that's probably the thing that jars are, are really annoys people, you know, hurling and football people when common sense seems to go out, you know, it just gets thrown out. And, uh, you know, it just seems to be by the book. It's black and white. And, and that can be really, really frustrating. Yeah, no, definitely. So like I said, Dan McCormick was in Croke Park on Tuesday and I spoke to him so you can have a listen to that. So Dan, how's it going? Good, all good now, yeah. It must be nice to get out of Borough Salee for a day. I'm sure it's uh, it is, a, crazy, yeah. t- a crazy village. Definitely, yeah. Um I suppose I'm teaching in Borsley as well, so there's no escape in any of the excitement or the hype around the village. Um, no matter where you go, yeah. shop, butcher, post office, all anybody is talking about is a big game on, on Sunday. So yeah, there's huge excitement around the village. Is that difficult or are you used to that? Do you, do you embrace the chat and have a bit of a chat about it or some players can think that gets inside their heads or how do you... Yeah, to be honest, I'm probably boring enough about it. I kind of just give the usual cliched answers and just even say... To, even to supporters? Yeah, even to the old Boris people, you know, don't really tend to go into mad detail about the match just yeah. give the usual 
cliched answers, please God we do it. And I wouldn't really go into too much detail, no. Yeah, yeah, please God and just yeah. crack a quick joke. Exactly, and yeah, and off you go on your way, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. It, is it different, the build-up in Boris Ali now before an all Ireland final with Tip, for example? Um, it probably would be a little bit, yeah. More intense. Uh, it probably is a little bit more intense, and especially if you're kind of wary of some of the younger players or players that wouldn't have experienced this with, with Tip as well, because... Although we'd have a good bit of experience within the team, um, you know, most players probably wouldn't have dealt with um, the hype, such a big hype uh, as yeah. this kind of a game before. So you would kind of be a little bit conscious that, you know, if they could stay away a little bit and kind of hold back a small bit, that probably would be for the best, you know. Yeah, well, I'm sure yourself, Paddy and Brendan, they yeah. haven't prepared for all our finals. That, yeah. like, do, you, do you talk in team meetings or do you talk to lads on their own? Yeah, small bit, you know. I think most lads are fairly, fairly level-headed about it. They kind of know as well what to do and... We have been in similar enough uh, situations before, especially playing Baddy Gunner in the Munster final. Would have yeah. been, it wouldn't have been the same scale, but again, it would have been a huge game for us in the club. Um, and again, I suppose we're kind of trying to keep into routine and keep doing things the very same as we would have done for the Baddy Gunner game, as we will do next weekend. Yeah, true. So you're kind of used to the routine. Kind of used to it as well, yeah. you're, it's, it's actually fantastic, the new schedule for the likes of Boris Lee, because you have serious momentum behind yeah, you now, yeah. don't you? Whereas a 10-week break would have broken that. It would, definitely, because I've, I've been talking to a few fellas from Toomey Vera who said that they really struggled with the with the long break. Um, I think on one occasion they kind of stopped training, and the second time they went hard to train, hard as they could train. And so right. with a five-week, it's, it's fairly doable. Um, we had two challenge matches within that period, and we trained throughout. I think we played Kerry and UL, so it kind of brought us in nicely into about two weeks before the St Thomas's game, and we kind of took it from there, and it seemed to work well for us. Yeah, because yeah, you didn't lose any of that momentum; like you were no, still really, kept yeah. that same form, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, definitely, still kept the same form. Started the game fairly well as well, so there didn't seem to be too much of a, a loss of momentum really with the t- in St Thomas's game. Yeah, can you believe it's the first time Tipperary and Kilkenny champions have ever met yeah. each other in the finals? Bizarre, is it bizarre stat. It is, and I suppose. You know, Tipperary clubs really overall have a fairly poor record That's in the championship. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Tumi were the last team in the nineties to get to the final, and you know, Borussia were the last team to win it in nineteen eighty seven. So. There's a huge gap, and I suppose obviously that's why you know Kilkenny Tip teams haven't reached there before. Yeah. So how much do you lean on '87? Because like tradition counts for a lot, and like I mean, mm. okay, your team has never been there, but Borussia have won it. Do you they know? have. So yeah, and you can take great belief and great pride in the fact that you know your neighbours and your cousins have won have won these medals. So it's possible for us to do the same thing. But again, at the same time, it's kind of it's a different era. Um, it's a different time, and you know you don't really get much of benefit out of it. You know, you are looking there with pride and you are looking with a little bit of belief, but at the same time, um, you know, we'd probably take more belief in the fact that we did it against the Ballygunner, we did it against St. Thomas and these right. teams, as opposed to looking back to the 80s um, with, the, with the other team, you know. Yeah, maybe that's it. Like, I mean, talk to me about your role on the team yeah. with Brendan. The whole talk after the Thomas's game, all the interviews, yeah. with yourself and Brendan and Johnny Kelly as well, we're all talking about your role and Brendan's and how you sneakily mark his man while you leave yeah, him off. Yeah, kind of works like that a small bit. <laughs> uh, don't want to give too much away to you now either. But I know, look, if, if Brendan ever, see, Brendan takes a lot of the freeze up the field as well. Um, he's up there. Sometimes he likes to just drive forward and attack. And I suppose, be it hurling or football, you just don't want to leave a big gap in the middle and to expose your full back line in front of, um, to any kind of a, a nice ball that a corner forward would like. So I just tend to sit back and kind of mop up in behind if, if he kind of goes up the field or drifts up the field because. 
you know, again, the way that Brendan is playing at the moment, he'll be a marked man and teams will try to drag him around the place as well. So it kind of gives him a little bit of freedom to, to move up and to attack the game a little bit more as well. It's, it seems to work really well because like, I mean, he's your talisman and if he yeah. gets a point, it's nearly worth two for you because exactly, he puts yeah. the fist up and you know, yeah. it, it kind of gets you going. Definitely, it is working well and it's probably a t- uh, something we've been doing for the last couple of games and you just don't really want to change the winning form either. You know, yeah. it's, it's been working well for us so far. So even your form has been excellent as well. You're a man of the match in the county final and you know, you've been completely yourself and Brendan like the, the big players for Boris Lee have been doing it and that's the really important yeah. thing with a club with a kind of a rural club it is definitely and you know I suppose you kind of you're, you're seen as a leader there and you know you, you want to, to you, well, want, you have to play well you know, there, there is that little bit of pressure as well and you want to perform for your club um, but again yeah you know but Overall, you know, our forwards have really been lighting it up as well at times. You know, you look at young James Devaney's after making a great name for himself over the last couple of games and Kevin Maher as well. Um, but I think the big thing with us is that if somebody isn't doing it on any given day, somebody else steps up. Um, you look at Conor Kenny getting man in the match the last yeah. day. Um, got man in the match in the semi-final against Glen Rover as well. He hit six or seven points. So that's the trait of a good team really is that if somebody isn't doing it, somebody else can do it. And thankfully that's what's been happening so far. You mentioned uh, JD there. You yeah. must have been panicked last Tuesday. I heard Johnny time, Kelly yeah. was on the war path with the, with the, with the school. I <laughs> know, uh, look, uh, there's two of them. Kevin Maher as and well. Kevin Maher, yeah, he's he centre-back. Centre back, yeah. yeah. You know, obviously you'd be a little bit nervous and you'd hope that nothing, nothing happens to him because... You know, they're only 18, but they're pivotal members in our team. Yeah. They're hugely important to us. Um, they make up a lot of our scoring threat as well up front. And, you know, obviously the lads have had a school's game as well. The Hearty Cup was a very prestigious competition as well, and they were mad to play. So we were just delighted when we heard that. Well, JD, first of all, he got the winning goal. Yeah. Um, secondly, and uh, Kevin, Kevin had a great ball, game. He yeah, passed it to him. Exactly. So. It worked out well for everybody, thank God. So when he checked into the WhatsApp group, injury-free mm. lads, there injury-free. was it. <laughs> we weren't too concerned about the result, which was injury-free, yeah, yeah. But it's a really difficult one because I completely understand Johnny saying here, lads, I don't want you to play or whatever, but I completely understand the school wanting them to play. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's a difficult situation for everyone. It was, for 22 for everybody, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But look, you've come out the right side exactly, of it. Exactly, so, so it's, it's all worked out well. And so that's the main thing. Yeah. Come here, you, you were injured during the league mm. and I'm wondering, looking back, you're probably sickened at the time with Liam Sheedy, the new manager, you wanted to impress him yeah, and all the rest. Yeah, definitely. Like it's yeah. working in your advantage now probably. It is, definitely. Um, I would have actually have missed the last two leagues for injury. Um, 2018, I did cartilage in my knee, missed the full league. Um, then last year, I did the AC Giants and missed the full league as well. And I think it was actually the same weekend, very same day, same weekend, same date. So... I'll be looking to avoid that game this year if at all possible. Uh, <laughs> but bad, the AC bad little is, look, yeah. That's a horrible injury for a hurler, I'm sure. It was, yeah. And there's obviously, you know, there's a huge gap in it as well, even since. Um, I think I was fortunate enough not to have surgery and it healed itself. But again, you'd still be out for eight to ten weeks and it took a long time to get back to full fitness, even to take confidence in taking a shoulder, taking a hit. It took yeah. a while as well. So again, probably, who knows, it might be... Of benefit to me now at the moment, maybe I, f- I kind of feel a little bit fresher. And well, it's a shorter season, it is than definitely it a shorter been, yeah. season, and all these small things definitely add up, you know. Yeah, it's definitely. I, I saw a quote uh, saying that it was from you saying that you Barcelona used not win tight games, mm, yeah. and now you do. So, yeah. what's how, how has that changed? I, don't, I, I, I kind of think that all it takes is just about one game, to win, one of them. win one of them. Um, and it kind of happened for us this year. We played Drum and Inch, would be massive rivals, um, and we won the game by two points. Um, going on from that then we won the next game by one point with 14 men and that was really the game that kind of got us going right. against Killer One in the semi-final and then up until the last game 
the last game against St Thomas which we won by seven which wasn't really a seven point win I thought it was I think so yeah, I don't know even the goal at the end yeah. but that was the first game that we won all year by more than three points right. so again you know, we were really struggling for the last number of years even to get over a quarter final stage at Tipperary um, and we had some excellent teams with some excellent players but we just couldn't get over the line right. but again it seems to be about a little bit of belief um, a little bit of resilience that we mightn't have had before and I think just one little click uh, yeah. just wanting to go right kind of instills that belief into and I'm team. sure he hammered at home then in training and said look we do win games definitely, like that yeah, yeah definitely because it can become it can become a little bit um, a, thing. a thing yeah that you know there's a little bit of pressure here and you can't if, you, if, you're, if it happens a couple of times you kind of start to question yourself well if the comes down to the last five minutes and there's it's a draw game what's going to happen here but I think that's well and truly out of our system now at this stage you know yeah no exactly come here have, has your girlfriend and Brendan's girlfriends have they forgiven you for the team holiday yet or? I don't know well we got New York out of it <laughs> alright yeah, we got three nights in New York okay that was, the, that was the first leg of it well, that was, was the first it? leg and um they saw the rest of the girls packing up for Cancun and we were packing up for Bursley so, uh, so they not have gone without you no? <laughs> they could have had it if they wanted to but I don't know whether they really want to yeah. um, but look hopefully we'll go again and we mightn't be back here again for look, tor- took 33 years to get back here for Bursley so well, that's the thing. But the thing more that, important things than holidays you well, know it, though there is but that's for you but, uh, people always forget about partners girlfriends wives all these kind of things mm. that this is, a hu- this is no commitment to you because yeah. you love it, it's your yeah. passion. It might not be hers. You know what I mean? Be, <laughs> so it's actually be. a bigger commitment for for, for it the is, partners. Yeah, you know? It is definitely. Um, but I suppose again, at the same time, they know how much it means uh, yeah. to people like myself and Brendan, and they're fully supportive. And we're lucky that they're so supportive of us. And again, they enjoy the nights out as well. There's been some great celebrations in Boris Lee. Yeah. How much it means to the whole parish. It's, it's even hard to put into words. The couple of nights we've had after the county final and the Munster final, and just everybody in Bursley is on a high, and it's probably more than a game of hurling, really. You know, um, you see the outpouring of emotion and tears, and you know all the things that you, you've often seen throughout club teams in yeah. Ireland, and you know it probably is, it, it means an awful lot more than an actual hurling match or a hurling victory. You know. Yeah. No, it does. Has Brendan dedicated the half hurl to the club, or is that going to be put into a? a I don't think he could find it actually after <laughs> the game. He threw it out over his shoulder. Really? Yeah. I don't that he, would look good in the clubhouse, brilliant. wouldn't it? Look brilliant for a museum or yeah. something, but. Um, I don't, as far as I know, he hasn't got it back since, anyway. Right, okay. Come here, just to finish up, we know Ballyhale are obviously a brilliant mm, team. Yeah. Like they're, they're the Currafin, I was talking to yeah, Lynn out there, yeah. and that's what you're up against. It is. I suppose coming up here, making sure nerves don't get the better of the younger lads, and just performing. Exactly. That's yeah, that's really the key focus on training all week, is just to perform. Um, you really just don't want to have any regrets. You know, a game like this could just pass you by if you weren't fully focused and fully tuned in, so... What we're really focused on is just to perform to the best of our ability and see where it takes us. And you know, we've been in situations like this before against going in as underdogs against Bally Gunner, going in as underdogs against St Thomas's. And you know, if we we believe we f- firmly believe that if we perform to the best of our ability, we'll be there thereabouts on Sunday. Yeah, I know you do some video work before a game, but I'm sure last year's final, like with Ballyhill and St Thomas's, oh, yeah, yeah. that might. Be, I'm sure not watching that is probably better than watching. Possibly that, it? is. Yeah, <laughs> there's, you know, there's different days that certain teams just hit click, their yeah. click and the in their the prime you know and you know could be better off yeah. but again like you know um, like every team you know there's, there's different things that you can work on different areas but again you really just want to perform yourself like um, if, you, if you spend too much time focusing on belly hail you might be losing a couple of percent that you should be putting into your own performance and you know that's what we'll be doing for the next couple of days obviously we've done a little bit of homework on them where they're strong and you know how to deal with those situations um, but again, usually in the lead up to a game, it's just totally focused on what you're going to do. Yeah.
Exactly. Well, come here, Dan. Best of luck. Perfect. Thanks very Thanks much. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Yeah, good stuff from Dan there. And he wasn't giving too much away, Brian, about, you know, the way he switches with uh, Brendan Maher and he didn't want to get too much into it other than the fact that he drops back. But it will be interesting this weekend because that whole dynamic of Brendan Maher attacking and being their inspirational leader and Dan maybe dropping back on his man, that won't really apply as much, you'd imagine, this weekend because TJ Reid will be on Brendan Maher and TJ Reid isn't going to be stupid enough to let Brendan Maher go. He will have the legs to stay with Brendan Maher whenever he attacks. And I'd imagine TJ Reid will give him enough to worry about at the other end that Brendan Maher might not be able to go forward. So there's a, there's, there, that's probably the standout. It's the obvious one, but it still is tactically the standout matchup of the game. Definitely. And, but that's even if it, if it goes ahead because, you know, Ballyhale have the ability and, and, and have the tendency to switch up their forward line, particularly their half forward line. You know, the three players, Adrian Mullen, Brian Cody and TJ, they can play in any of the three positions. So you just don't know what Sheffield's going to bring from, from that perspective. Um, but I, I, they will be trying to nullify Brendan Maher. And we spoke about this before. Brendan Maher, if he scores a point, it just seems to be, it's so lifting and raising towards the yeah. diversity cause that it seems, it's like two or three scores almost. You know, so it, it, Ballyhill really need to be kind of mindful of that and they'll, they'll try and shut down that avenue I think as best as possible I think that would TJ not sorry. be the best man to do that though Brian because like I mean number one he'll, Brendan Maher might not be as inclined to, to let him go we know Dan McCormick will drop back but TJ TJ loves tracking back and working and, and working hard he seems like the perfect way. he has those fitness levels you know to be able to do that No I, look I agree with you and look TJ's He's been man marked all the time, but he's he, you know he some of the matches lately he's definitely been really selfless and he's put in the hard shift and you know maybe been the provider and, and worked hard and I supposed to be on the, the scoring chart so you know I fully uh, appreciate your point and I think he, his ability to hook and block and win dirty ball is phenomenal so you know obviously that's one of Brendan Maher's huge strengths as well so you know it's a, it's a real interesting battle. Um, there will be other interesting ones as well. You know, I, I I like the look of, you know, maybe Darren Darren Mullen, Mark and JD. I think that's going to be really interesting. Two young men as well on the top of their game. Two speedy little little guys, probably in a, a two-man full forward line too. So do you think that, that, so? can, yeah. that can be a real battle. I, don't know, I was thinking that they might do something smart and put JD on uh, Michael Fenley. Just really kind of rattle it and go, listen, I don't want you dropping into midfield. I want you buzzing around that and making sure he comes after you. Now, obviously we're talking about this the defenders dictate who marks who. It's not really the forwards, you know. Like oh. so, obviously Boris Ali might see TJ on Brendan Maher and might they might have somebody else planned to follow TJ everywhere, and then Brendan Maher still gets the free roll. You know, it, it, it's yeah, not the forward. It's not the forward. It's not. It's a lot harder on a forward to decide who you're marking. I suppose. Yeah. You know, you might be looking at two. You know, if if Boris Lee withdraw um, Kevin Maher, which which they tend to do, and leave Jerry Kelly and and JD inside. Yeah. Do you know? Ballyhale decide who marks who you know they, they yeah. might try and put say JD and, and Joey Holden but it just won't happen from that perspective you know we've all been on teams where you're trying to exploit maybe what you would perceive as the weaker link of the two and yeah. you know get a mismatch but generally it's very hard to actually get that off unless the opposition are completely asleep but that, that won't be happening on Sunday that's for sure Well then then you let, you'd end if you, if the forward tries to dictate it you end up with a situation like Lara Corbett and Tommy Walsh in the all Ireland <laughs> yeah. final it just, it just doesn't work so like I mean obviously Paddy Stapleton and Colin Fenley is a huge one as well. Do you think Paddy line up against him? Um, like definitely, he has the experience, yeah. definitely for it. I would worry about Paddy's physicality. Look, you worry with everyone's physicality on Colin Fenley. Um, do you think Paddy can stand him up? Yeah, Paddy's very strong in the air. He's way stronger than people 
give him credit for now, being honest. Um, he's 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 a brilliant man to actually catch the ball himself, even for a small man. He comes over the top of you. Um, you know, you go back over his match with Tipperary, he's plucked some fair balls out of the sky and he knows how to play a man. That's probably one of his big strengths. If you actually go back to the county final, he was probably very, very lucky. Uh, he completely took one to kill the Dangan players out of a ball, a high ball into the square and, and played the ball straight through. It went out wide, harmlessly wide in the end. But, you know, he's very astute. He's obviously very, very intelligent hurler. Probably doesn't have the pace that he had once upon a time, but, you know, that won't overly bother him in, in, in terms of, of Colin Fenley. Um, but, you know, Paddy's very experienced. I think that's a hell of a battle too. But look, we've seen time and time again when Fenley gets that ball in the hand, he can be next to impossible stop. That's where the likes of Dan McCormick comes in very, very importantly, where they get numbers back and try and, um, you know, help out Paddy Stapleton from that perspective. Well, that's the thing. And Dan is a big, strong man. Like Dan could probably hold Colin Fenley up. He's a, he'd, mm. he'd be pretty, he'd be pretty strong. Fella. So who do you, who do you see them? Who do you see them putting on Michael Fenley then if you think Johnny Kelly is going to potentially target him? Um, you see, it's hard to know. Will they, will they try Conor Kenny? You know, he's playing really well. I know he's playing out in the wing and he's popping three and four points a game as well. So he also has a lot of legs too. So he can go through. Kevin Maher is even another option. He, yeah. you know, as opposed to JD doing it, you know, Kevin Maher could play that role a lot more um, fluidly because they leave JD inside and, and Kevin can, can burst through the centre. We've seen that against St. Thomas's took a couple of great scores. Um, and one which Bursley would have loved was the the blocking down, you know, uh, blocking them down, putting the ball straight back over the bar. Um, so Kevin Maher maybe could play that centre forward role. But it, you know, it, it, fairness to to Bursley, they're not afraid to mix it up. No, you know, and 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 they have a, a good few options. The, the 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 important thing is that when you have a half forward line that's going to drop, you're just you're playing into Michael Fenley's hands basically. You know what I mean? And I don't want to pick out Michael Fenley, especially we know how brilliant he has been, but I don't think his mobility is what it used to be. And I'm sure Michael Fenley's like, when his man drops in, into midfield, he's like, ah, lovely. Now I'll just get on ball, I'll drop back, I'll double up, I'll spray a few nice passes in. And he, you know, I'd say he can't believe his look, but other teams generally drop players back because Ballyhale are so good so it's a difficult one you're brave if you keep your half forward line kind of in position Yeah and it'll be interesting to see as well because Ballyhale didn't play say um, a sixth defender last time you know they played a third midfielder with their spare man because remember Slock Neal set up with a sweeper the other end you know similar to what Bursley are going to do so oh, yeah. it's to see what Ballyhale will do this time you know will they, will they play the seventh defender or will someone else go into centre back and Fenley stays So where does um, Fenley play against Sla- where did Fenley play he, he against He held Sla- just Nathan? the centre back you know they only played with five defenders they kind of, the more or less you know he he, he still holds the centre he holds on the 45 anyway 45 right. and anyway you know he naturally does that you know but they basically trusted the two inside they trusted Darren Mullen and Joey Holden Okay. You know, so look, they're two fair, fair say corner fullbacks to be to be trusting inside, and they've great pace, and, and they're both strong in the air. So um, it'll be just interesting what Ballyhale do with that with that extra player because the last day they left Ronan Corker in, in the middle of the field, and that caused a lot of problems for Schlock Neil. You know, yeah. So like, I mean, Shefflin tactically is is kind of proven himself here, isn't he? Because that definitely it, 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 that was the one thing yeah. that struck me the last day. You know, he you know he gets a lot of credit obviously for being manager, and he's obviously managing the players really well. But I really saw that tactical announcement that the last day. I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And too too often the spare man is just left back, and we know that we've talked about that. I'm sure on the show before that when a play a team has a player sent off, that instead of using your spare man as an attacking spare man, 
every team uses him as defending as a sweeper. So the other, yep. the, the team who has, has had a man sent off never has to change anything. They just go, right, it's going exactly the way it was. We just play with an ex, now we have to deal with a sweeper. Whereas instead of if you use your spare man in an attacking one, the team with 40 men now have to take off, a, you know what I mean, a forward yeah. and bring on a back and they have to do all sorts of things. It's, it just, and it it's, often, you often find, right, with teams that are not used to setting up with a sweeper because it's a totally different mindset as a back. Yeah. You know, because, you know, we've seen Waterford probably the masters of it there for a few years with Tyke de Borca and, um, you know, Wexford obviously at the moment. The, the six normal backs, like they have to mark their man and mark their man only almost forget about the ball you know just maybe break the ball so that it allows the sweeper to come in and sweep up the ball um, and that's a totally different mindset you know you, you don't take a chance on a ball going front or whatever it, it's it's totally different um, and if you're not used to that kind of way of hurling it can upset you and I think that's what Ballyhill did the last day is that they said look our five defenders know how to hurl and they'll continue to hurl and they back them basically to go man on man with their players so I think that's what I have to give huge credit to, to Henry Shefflin for in the Ballyhill defence Yeah no definitely the, the stat on Boris Lee which I thought was incredible is that they've had no injuries from the Tipperary quarter final it's not unreal on a run like that quarter final semi final final and then three Three games or two games? Two games. They beat the Cork champions. Two games yeah. in Munster. So five two games in Munster. Five games. Yeah. Not one injury. The st- same starting 15. Six. Would you believe we actually the exact same with Coolary when we got to Club All Ireland ourselves. We went straight from the, the county quarter final right through to the All Ireland final and we never changed our team once. So I actually found that um, interesting when I heard uh, Dan McCormick talking about that. You know, the fact that we've had the same 15. I was like, you know, in small rural areas, that you know that can tend to be the way you, you might be drawn in one maybe two subs and that's no disrespect to the guys that make up the panel because yeah. they're so important but you know we're talking about ta- we're talking about real high-end hurling here you know um it is hard to go beyond that 17 or 18 player um but yeah and you also need that run of luck you do need all your best players on the field if you're going to get on a run like that because you just don't have the same maybe you know, spread the players that you know maybe the top clubs or we call the super clubs that they actually have. Yeah, exactly. There's other matchups like Evan Shefflin and Richie Reid, the two wing backs. Them against those two lads against the two Kennys potentially will be two great matchups as well. It's a re- it's a it's a match I'm really looking forward to. I think Bally, I think Boris Ali can can give Bally Hale plenty of it, and I, I do think the Tipperary Kilkenny rivalry will come into it. I think Boris Ali's tradition in having won it means that they won't be you know. Yeah, that will give them some natural confidence, natural yeah. confidence that they have, and apparently in Tipperary they're they're not short of confidence traditionally yeah. as well. So, like, I mean, I think this will be a really good final. The, the bookies have Ballyhale one to three and Boris Lee le- nearly three to one outsiders. Um, like, I mean, you'd want to be probably crazy to back against Ballyhale, but I I I think we'll definitely get a better final than we did last year. Well, that wouldn't be hard, but I think we'll get a good close game. Um, what do you think, Brian, or what's your prediction on it? No, I, I agree because personally in their nature, you know, it's tight games. You know, they make it really difficult on their opposition. Like apart from the St. Thomas's game, did I think three points was their biggest win from yeah. that quarter, county quarterfinal stage. So generally they're in tight games. They have the belief that they can win tight games. And really they'd only won that last game they only, you know, the only JD's goal put them, I think, six up, and then Brendan Maher got that point at the end to win by seven. So you know what I mean? It was kind of like it was a tight game for the vast majority of that as well. Yeah. So even though they were the better team, win. yeah, they were the, the, the better team. 
But at the same time, I still looking back at that game again because I watched it back. St. Thomas has missed some criminal shots straight in front of the goal. You know, four or five from play, tear your hair out. I, again, I have to point that I don't understand. Um, obviously, it's their own choice, but, you know, to me, Conor Cooney should have been on that freeze. You know, Dara Burke, even his style of hitting the freeze the last day, he drives the ball. He absolutely opens his shoulders and drives it. And that doesn't lend itself to, to you know, to a... Um, you know, a really consistent free taker. It's great when it's working, but, you know, he missed the 65. He actually missed the ball stopper. And generally, you don't see free takers missing by that distance. You right. know, to, to hit the ball so wide. Um, it, it's really kind of a, it might skin the post or whatever, or, or further too wide, but you don't tend to hit the ball that wide. So, you know, that's just his style of hitting the freeze. And to me, I think if Thomas has had a taken, to me, what were routine chances? You know, remember, Ballyhale, T. Reid won't miss those. You know, and their forwards that they have won't miss points from straight in front of the goal because they're not afraid of the big occasion. You know. Yeah, yeah. So what, you you fancy Bally Hale strongly? <sighs> not strongly. I think. I think I agree with all your sentiments. I think it's going to be a hell of a battle, but I just think Bally Hale might have too much on this particular occasion. You know. All right. Okay. So the other one then. Um, these two games are on Saturday: the intermediate and the junior. So Tullerone are one to two against Father O'Neill's, and say that's probably a reflection on the two on the two injuries feeding into that. I wouldn't think Tullerone are one to two favourites over the Cork champions uh, if they had a full complement, would they? No, I don't. No, I'd say it would have been a lot closer. You'd have been talking five to six, six to five. I think, yeah. You know. Um, you know, but Tom, with those two sending offs, and unless there's something happens at the, with if they go to the DRA on Friday evening, you know, it, it looks like they won't be playing. So they're a massive loss. When we talk about that, it's a massive loss to any club. Yeah. You know, you know two guaranteed starters and two big players for them. Two, Dawson, yeah, two forwards, yeah. Two yeah, forwards. Has the capability of shooting lights out, in fairness to them. But, you know, Tullerone, they have Tommy Walsh, the, the, you know, the cousin of, of, of the Tommy Walsh. Um, you know, he's full back, but they also have the opportunity to put back maybe Park if he's really going to town as well. So, you know, Martin Walsh can play centre back as well or, or, or wing back. So they have a lot of options there. I think Tullerone, you know, they have real strength and depth at the moment. Yeah, no, they definitely do. Parik Walsh was at that media day the other day as well. I thought he had an interesting comment. He says, the thing I'm loving about this championship, you're coming up against teams you don't know anything about. It's like being a young lad again, trying to suss out who you're on and the way they play. And I, I just kind of made me smile when I read it that even at club level, senior club level, you'll generally know the lad that will be marking you because the, the same lads would come across on you, you know, against the, the usual clubs and you know what you're dealing with with them. And then I was thinking back, how long ago would it be when you marked someone when you actually had no idea what they were good at and having to figure them out you know yeah. during the game it's like, like a practice match almost yeah you know, yeah you, yeah you go play someone from another county and don't know what, what you're letting yourself in yeah, yeah like you, 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 race, you race them out for a couple of balls and you go Jesus this lad's pretty fast I better stop doing that and then you start trying to make sideways runs and you know what I mean whereas yeah. if, if you knew him you would have yourself kind of the way you're going to approach him kind of figured out before you go out yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, look, I think it sums up um, the Welshes in general. We often hear Tommy come out with great quotes like that as well. It's just their, their overall enthusiasm for the game and their love of hurling, I think. so. And they're, they're honest to a fault, aren't they, really? Like, they are, you know, yeah. It's actually, it's really heartwarming to actually hear that sort of stuff. It is, and it was a classic talking about their honesty. They were talking about, um, he was asked about Tommy and the father, um, Mickey hugging after the after the county final. So the other three sons are slagging the father off. Why didn't you come near us? Why was it Tommy that, <laughs> that you were hugging? And uh, the father's the yeah, the golden boy. Like I know exactly why he did. Like I'd be like imagine being the other three brothers when Tommy was like 
the greatest wing back, you know, of his generation. Yeah. I'd say they didn't even get a look in, <laughs> look, you know. <laughs> but anyways, he says, uh, the father says, you were too far away. He said he was closest to Tommy. It's just natural the way it happened. So that was the way, that's the way it was. So uh, it would be funny listening to those kind of, that kind of crack going on around their dinner table. Um, so who you fancy here? It's hard to look past Tullerone then, right? With the, Unless the two... Uh, do you, no, I but even, yeah, it's even, very hard. Yeah. Even if the two lads get off the night before and all are in final for club lads, like, dear McConnelly's got off late and he didn't play well the next day like for an inter-county fellow who would be men- county players who would be mentally stronger than club players I'm sure for a club player to go through all that and then just find out the night before they couldn't be right anyways right and it's even it's hard on the team because you know what did they do announce the team hold off announcing the team on the day of the match yeah you know like it's it's just kind of it's really messed up their whole preparations for the whole week all, you know that kind of way it takes yeah it'd be hard manage that you know the because that's it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. Are they playing? Are they not playing? You know, and and obviously, if it does go to the array, that'll be their third meeting in five days. Yeah, you know what I mean? it was so, a, it was actually the, yeah, it was actually the 2015 All Ireland final against Kerry. Alan Brogan was told by Jim Gavin that he was starting against Kerry because uh, Dear McConnelly had been going to the DRA the week leading up to it, and Alan Brogan was told about two hours before, I think it was two hours before the game, that you're not starting now, and dear, dear Miss... Oh my God. So that would, you know what I mean? It was mad. Um, yeah, it's mad. Anyways, right, we'll go with Tullerone in that one, and the last one then is Russell Rovers. This is Cork versus Kilkenny again in the in the junior. Uh, Russell Rovers are favourites um, against Conaghy Shamrocks, uh, 8 to 11, 11 to 8. Um, I suppose a toss up here, Brian. Yeah, look, you know, Russell Rovers and, and amazingly their neighbours um, in East Cork of, of um, Father O'Neill's as well. So right. they will have a big contingent up from the kind of the one area and, and, and they'll be getting behind them. So even that that can help itself as well. You know, Connie Shamrocks isn't too far away from Tullerone either. So, um, you know, Russell Rovers, they have a couple of, you know, really good forwards. You know, Brian Hartnett obviously um, is the is the main guy that everyone might know about. Um, yeah. His brother Kevin used to play for Cork. Um you know, so Kevin's actually retired. He's living over in Austin at the moment. So, um, and then, uh, excuse my pronunciation, but the, you know they've a, they've a big plus, and and I think it's it's Michael Bassang or, or however you pronounce it. He's he's back for the final as well. He missed out in the semi final. He's their normal free taker. So you know, having two big fours like that is a big big thing when you're when you're talking in in a junior club all Ireland. These games tend to be actual crackers um, a lot of times. The, the team they seem to be very um evenly evenly matched um in, in most of these games. I think. This really shows the 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 joy at club hurling. I think that people can go out at junior and intermediate, and it's not all about you know just the senior setups. I think um, I think when you know it should be a great weekend. Really, to yeah. Be fair. They have their own standalone games, and they're being streamed on YouTube as well. I'm pretty sure both of them are on um, on Saturday evening. They're on at four and six on Saturday, and I think the football one is on the following. The football ones are on the following Saturday. So it'll be it'll be interesting to have a look at them. I'll be interested in watching Tullerone, Father O'Neill's definitely anyway. Is no disrespect to the other one. Um, so who are you going for? Stop sitting on the fence here. Who are you going for in this last one? Are you going for yeah. Cork or Kilkenny? I'm going to go for Cork in this one. Russell we, Rovers. We'll give okay. him one. Yeah, Russell Rovers. Yeah. All right. Just okay. their, their forwards. I think the, I think their forwards can have have the ability to you know put up big scores. All right, great stuff, Brian. That's all we've time for. We'll be back on Monday and we'll, re- we'll review all the finals. Uh, then talk to you then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go, cause I won't see you later.